on the believer's authority and uh, the title tonight is Such As I Have. <clears throat> you know, it's an interesting thing. You can't give something that you don't have. If you do, you're a thief. <laughs> you know, so uh, we're going to be looking at that tonight. Um, and so as born-again believers, we've been talking about the authority of the believer and that, you know, initially when God created man, he gave him dominion over everything, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over every creeping thing. He gave man totally, total dominion. And we've been talking about how Lucifer, who was an archangel of God, uh, and how I believe he was sent as a ministering spirit to minister to Adam and Eve, saw something that he had never seen before. He saw absolute authority, unconditional authority. And uh, so he longed for that. And uh, so in order to receive that authority, he deceived Eve, you know, and deceived her with words. You know, did God really say? And she took the bait and questioned God. And as a result of that, ate of the tree and so did Adam. And as the scripture says, spiritually, they died and they, they sold out their authority, um, yielded it to the enemy, to, to the evil one, because they began to cooperate with him rather than with God. And so <clears throat> that's the reason why Jesus came, was to restore man to relationship with God, but also to restore his authority here on the earth. And so we, as born-again believers, um, in a sense, we, we don't just simply have the same authority that Adam and Eve had. We have, we have greater authority because we're able now to speak in the name of Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> so let's look in the scriptures. It's in your notes. But in Philippians, the, the second chapter and the 10th verse is our, our first scripture for tonight. And it says, <clears throat> let me start in the ninth verse. Therefore God also has highly exalted and given him, Jesus, exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those under the earth, on the earth and those under the earth. And so um, he's given us, gave Jesus the name that's above every other name. You know, it says that at one point every knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus because it's it's above every name. But then in, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, uh, we, we see Jesus, and he's, in a sense, commissioning the disciples. And uh, these are some of the last words that he spoke to them. And so, beginning in Matthew 28, and then the 18th verse, and of course we call this the Great Commission, but notice what he says here. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And so Jesus is, is acknowledging that all authority has been given unto him. And uh, as the title says, such as I have, um, Jesus wasn't able to give something that he didn't have. Uh, we're going to see more of this as we go along as we're talking about spiritual authority, but we're going to see how um, Jesus defeated the enemy and, and through his walk on the earth and defeated the enemy, he obtained the name that's above every other name. And so now Jesus has that name. That name has been given to him. That name has been, as we saw in Philippians, uh, conferred upon him by Father. And so Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so in a sense, what Jesus is doing here, he says, all authority has been given unto me. Now you, in other words, now I'm giving you that authority to, to go and represent that name and who you speak over or what you speak to concerning that name, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be done unto you. You know, and we see that in, in the natural sense. We, we see that in governments and so forth that uh, they have ambassadors and, and they go to other lands and they're able to negotiate um, trade deals and peace and all sorts of other things. But they're doing it in the name of the country, but ultimately they've been given that authority, in our case, by the, by the president. He's given them the right to speak in his name. And so that's how it is with, with Jesus. We've been given the name above every other name. You know, we can speak to the mountain. We can, we can speak to sickness and disease. And it has to bow because we're carrying that authority, even though, you know, it's not like we have the right, the authority within ourselves. It's because of what Jesus did and because of the authority that we have in and through him. And so, A, under Roman numeral one, it says, Jesus gave us power and authority over the devil, over the evil one. We have been given power and authority over him. Now, now part of it is, and this is a very significant part, and this is why it's so very important for us to be going through this study at this time, is that we've got we've to recognize the authority that we have. If we, don't, if we don't recognize it, if we don't acknowledge it, how are we ever going to walk in it? Because we'll never, we'll never, uh, we'll never demonstrate or we'll never exert that authority unless we're aware that we have it. And so he's given us power and authority over the evil one. Still in Matthew, if we go back to, back up just a little bit to Matthew, the 10th chapter, and um, the first verse, and it says, and when he had called his disciples, speaking of Jesus, and when he had called his disciples, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> this is even before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But because he lived the perfect life, he was already walking in the fullness of that authority. And so he gave man that authority, as it says there, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Well, <clears throat> the kind there kind of bothered me. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the King James says. I'm reading the new King James here. But it seemed to me that I had heard translations in the past where that, that kind wasn't in there. You know, that it was just simply all diseases. And so I got out my Greek helps today and, uh, and I looked that up. And when you read it in the literal Greek, there is no kind in there. And so in the literal Greek, what it read, read is he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all sicknesses and all diseases. Maybe that doesn't mean as much to you, but that means a whole lot more to me when the kind is taken out of there. And so he, he gave man, he gave us authority over all diseases and, and all sicknesses. Now the other part of it is, it almost seems like it's repetitious. 
repetitious from the standpoint, it says all sickness, and then it says all disease. Uh, I can't pronounce the word, but um, the word disease there in the Greek, I didn't write it down, so I'm not sure what it is. But the meaning of that word is that any bodily ailment or infirmity of any kind. I don't know about you, when I, when I think of sickness or disease, I think of, you know, something that you catch, something that, you know, attaches itself to you, whatever it may be. But any physical ailment that we're dealing with at all, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have authority over that. And so, <clears throat> remember when, when Jesus um, healed the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, she came up behind him, and you know we know the story that she said within herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be, I'll be made well. And so she came through the crowd, and, and she touched the hem of her, his garment, and immediately she felt within herself the flow of blood dry up. In other words, she knew at that very moment that she was healed because she felt that anointing. And Jesus felt the anointing, he felt, um, what does it say in the scripture, doesn't call it anointing. The, the, yeah, felt, sense the virtue flow out of him. And so Jesus, he stops and he turns around and he says, who touched me? You know, and remember everybody says, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me with faith. And so the woman realized that she was going to be found out, and so she came forward and she confessed, yeah, I was the one, I was healed. And Jesus turned to her and he says, woman, your faith, be healed of your affliction, your faith has made you whole. Now, now the interesting thing about it is, it's kind of like what we have right here in this passage. Because physically, she is already healed because that anointing, that flowed out, flow, flowed out of Jesus, set her free. But she was healed of her, set free from her infirmity. And infirmity in the scripture doesn't necessarily refer to um, sickness and disease. I think oftentimes we look at that and we think that's talking about, uh, infirmity isn't talk, is talking about sickness and disease, but infirmity is talking about anything that you might struggle with. It can be poverty. Uh, it can be relational. It can affect every area of your life. And so Jesus said to the woman, you've already been healed, now be whole. Be whole. And so I believe what Jesus, and this is what most commentaries talk about concerning this, is what Jesus was saying is, you're, you're, you're physically healed, now be whole, you know, because remember what happened with her. Um, she'd gone to many physicians, but she'd only grown worse, and she uh, had spent everything that she had trying to get better, and so she was in poverty uh, because of the affliction that she had. She wasn't allowed to go into, go into the public at all, wasn't supposed to, and so she wasn't able to go to temple. She wasn't able to, you know, really gather with other individuals because she was considered unclean according to the law. And so anybody that was a, a Jew, which was of her faith, wasn't going to have anything to do with her. And so Jesus said, uh, be whole, or your faith has made you whole. And so that meant um, poverty was no longer going to rule in her life. Uh, her social life was returned to her. Her spiritual life was returned to her because now she's able to go to temple and, and gather together with other believers and so forth. And so what I wanted us to see is that's what, what Jesus had said to his disciples. He, he said to them um, that he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all sicknesses and all diseases. And so they were given that, that total authority, dominion, once again, 
that man once carried. But then let's drop down to the seventh verse, and in the seventh verse it says, and Jesus says, and as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, and then listen to this, freely you have received, freely give. You see, that's what comes back to, we, we've, got to, we've got to realize we have something before we can give something away. And I think oftentimes with, with believers, we, we don't know what we have. We have been given authority to use the name that's above every name. And with that name, we can cast out devils. With that name, we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. With that name, we can be an instrument that God wants to use to make people whole, just as, as Jesus did, because ultimately, that's what we're here for. We're here to do the works of Jesus. And that's what he was commissioning, he was telling his disciples to do. Uh, I've given you this power, I've given you this authority, now use it. The thing is, is we don't want to abuse it and misuse it because of lack of understanding as, as Adam and Eve did. You know, just, just think about this. They were, given, they were given dominion over the earth, but they chose to believe a lie rather than the truth. You know, and that's what the enemy still wants to do in our lives. He wants us to, to accept the lie rather than truth. You know, he wants us to accept the fact that, well, <clears throat> you know, I'm probably, I'm probably not spiritual enough to lay hands on the sick. Well, are you born again? Well, if you're born again, then you're, you're, you're spiritual enough to lay hands on the sick. Because remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to his disciples. This is before his death, burial, and resurrection. Later on, we see Peter, that spiritual giant, how he denied Jesus three times. We see um, Thomas, another one of the spiritual giants of the day, um, who said, unless I can see it with my physical eyes, I'm not going to believe it. <clears throat> kind of sounds like us at times. It's because they were just like us. But see, those are the individuals. You know, I think it was this morning, I heard Creflo Dollar make, no, yeah, I think it was this morning. He made this statement, he's, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. I don't know if you've been watching him or not, but it's, it's, it's really good. He's really emphasizing the need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with praying in tongues, and he's really getting down to the nitty gritty with it and getting very specific with things. But he says, you know, one of the problems oftentimes with individuals is um, <clears throat> they think in order uh, to be, uh, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of tongues, you have to be a clean vessel. And he says, the problem with that is nobody would qualify because none of us are a clean vessel. Now, don't misunderstand what, what I'm saying. We're clean vessels because of the blood of Jesus, because we've been washed. But if we're just looking in the natural sense, you know, every one of us, I mean, this may be a shock to you. You ain't perfect. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I guess there was a revelation for some of you. <clears throat> you know, but, but, but none of us are. You know, so none of us are really if that's the qualifications of a fit vessel for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us, we are. And, and oftentimes we get this idea, well, you know, if I were more spiritual, then I, then I could pray for the sick. If I were more spiritual, I could do this, that, or the other thing. Well, it comes back to, are you born again? And so if you're born again, according to Romans 12.3, you've been, been given the measure of faith, and the measure of faith is enough faith to cast out demons, 
the measure of faith is enough faith to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. The measure of faith is enough faith to raise the dead. And so we've been given that authority, we've been given that commission by Jesus. But let's look at another scripture. We see the same, in speaking the same thing basically in Luke, the ninth chapter. And once again in the first verse, and he, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of heaven and to heal the sick. You know, it's, it's interesting. In Jesus' mind, preaching the gospel and healing the sick went hand in hand with one another. You know, and I, I think oftentimes what we do is we, we, we separate the two, we separate the two. And, and so as a, as a result of that, we, we make a distinction between, you know, faith to preach the gospel and faith to heal the sick. You know, really healing the sick is really important because sometimes you gotta get them healed long enough so that they can get saved. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, but Jesus has given us that authority. And so, <clears throat> you know, this is really, you know, where so much of this boils down to. You know, it's, it is faith. It's coming down to the point to where, am I really gonna believe what Jesus said about me? And, and, and everybody wrestles with that. We know that, we know that the disciples wrestled with that. You know, because when, when Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, and he gets down there and, and hears this man with his, his son, his child, and the, the son has epilepsy and, and the demon that had a hold of him periodically would throw him into the fire and throw him into water, was trying to uh, destroy him. And so when Jesus came down off the mountain, his, th this man came up to him and, and uh, he says, Lord, can you, can you help me? He says, I, I brought my boy to your, your, your disciples and they couldn't do anything about it. And, and Jesus basically said to his disciples, wasn't speaking to the man, he was speaking to his disciples, and he basically said, how long am I gonna have to put up with you? It wasn't a compliment. You know, because they had been given authority, but they didn't recognize the authority that you had. You know, because that's back in, what, Matthew, um, 15, 16, someplace in there. And, <clears throat> you know, here's my deep theological teaching once again. Matthew 10 comes before that. And so they had already received the authority. Jesus had already told them that they could cast out devils, that they could heal the sick, that they could do these things. But they doubted what Jesus told them. And as a result, they weren't able to do it. And so Jesus says, bring him here. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't get frustrated and say, well, they couldn't do it, I ain't gonna do nothing about it. No, he took care of it. And the, the man brought his boy over and he says, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And, uh, you know, you see, I, I, think, I think that's where the disciples were. They believed in their heart, but they doubted in their heads. And you see, that's what we deal with continuously. You know, that's why Romans 12, 2 says that we have to renew our minds. We've got we've to renew the way that we think about things because we hear the Word of God, and we get excited about the Word of God, and we have it in our hearts, and, and we believe, but then our head says, well, that may apply to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to you. Well, it applies to you. It applies to each and every one of us as, as sons of God, as believers. Um, the, the other part of it is, you know, it's, what's interesting about people 
You know, over the years, I've noticed this about people. People like titles. You ever, you ever know that people like titles? Um, but people often don't like the responsibility that comes with the title. We have, we have a title. We are, we are Christians. We're sons of God. What a privilege it is to be able to call, be called children. Amen? Sons of God. Children of God. That's such, a, such an honor. But, but with that uh, comes responsibility. And we've made reference to this passage several times in this teaching, but let's look at it again. It's in James 4, 7. It says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And so <clears throat> we've, been, we've been given responsibility as sons of God, as children of God, as the church. He's, he's commissioned us to, to preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, uh, to cast out devils. So it tells us in Mark that if we drink anything deadly, it's not going to harm us. And so we've been, we're, and we're going we're to pray in other tongues. We're going to pray in the Spirit. And so we've been, we've been given that authority. But you know, even though we've been given that right and we've been given that authority, if we don't look at it as a responsibility and pick it up, we'll, we'll never follow through on it. And that's what he's saying here. He says, submit therefore to God. And so, if we are truly submitted to God, and we are, amen? Yes. I'll give you another chance. We're, we're submitted to God, aren't we? Amen? Amen, amen. I thought we were. You know, but, but so, since we're submitted to God, it says that we resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. But notice that he doesn't just simply free, flee from us. It says we resist him. And how do we resist him? We resist him by recognizing who we are and what's been accomplished for each and every one of us. You know, we talk about this, you know, and you can't go through a teaching on spiritual authority without talking about the fact that we are, that we are in the midst of a battle, a spiritual battle. But one of the things that we've got to recognize is the majority of that spiritual battle, if not all of it, is is in our minds, you know, because if, if the enemy can get us thinking contrary to God's word, he's got us right where he wants us to be. And so uh, if he can get us thinking, thinking negatively, we're not going to use the authority that we truly have in the name of Jesus. And so, number one, we've got to notice that, recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. And then really recognize that what, what that battle is. In Corinthians, it says that we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And, uh, you know, I said, I always thought that was, Scripture was written for melancholy. You know, because your, your mind is just constantly going. You've got you to gotta, you gotta control those thoughts or they'll take you, you know, to the pits. But it's interesting. It's for everybody. Everybody deals with that maybe in different ways, but all of us have to deal with our thought life. We have to take those thought captives, and we do it to the obedience of Christ, and that means to the obedience of His Word. That we make our thoughts submit to His thoughts. You know, it wasn't intended this way, but, but for me it's just been real interesting how what we've been sharing the last few weeks on Wednesday night um, coincide, go along with what I've been talking about on Sunday morning when I've been talking about the culture war and so forth. You know, because the culture war is whether we're going to listen to the Word of God, the words of God, or whether we're going to listen to the words of the evil one. And that's really what this is talking about. What, who are we going to listen to? What are we going to listen to? You know, and so <clears throat> this word needs to be speaking louder than the other words around us, you know, and, and, it's, and it's difficult, you know, because <clears throat> there's so many voices out there, and they're so loud. And, and so we have to make a decision. We have to choose what voices we're going to listen to, which voices 
we're going to allow to have influence in our lives. And that's where we've got to make certain that th this Bible is going to be number one. This is going to be the number one voice in our lives. Because if we don't, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of voices out there that are speaking in the name of the Lord that have absolutely nothing to do with our Lord. They're just, they're just voices. And so we have to have, you know, what the scripture refers to as discernment. Now, I believe that there's discernment of spirits, you know, but, you know, discernment of spirits are very specific. You know, I remember when I was first saved, people would say, well, I have the gift of discernment. You know, and what they were saying, I think I know what you're thinking. No, you don't. You know, because ask Becky. I don't think. You know, so, so you're wrong. You know, but, but discernment of spirits is a gift of the spirit. It's very specific. It's discerning of spirits. It's discerning whether it's of a good spirit or whether it's of a evil spirit. You know, I remember years back, Pastor Becky and I, we were up at Minneapolis at a Holy Spirit conference up there and we're, you know, the, it was in a, one of the large uh, um, coliseums up there. And the floor was full of people. And we're sitting on the side. And in one of the afternoon meetings, all of a sudden, this woman stood up and she started, you know, prophesying or whatever. And my insides just went, yeah. And Becky looked at me and, she probably didn't do this, but she could have just as well gone, yeah. you know, because it was, it was not of God. You know, and eventually they came and they helped her find her way to the door. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, <clears throat> but that's, that's a form of discerning of spirits. But Brother Hagen always taught that true discerning of spirits is whether you see good or evil spirits. You actually see the Spirit. So I've really only functioned in that a couple of times where I've, I've seen a demon when I've been dealing with it. and It's not real fun. But, but, but we need discernment. And I'm not talking about discernment of the Spirit as a gift of the Spirit. But we need to be discerning. And in order to be discerning, we have to be equipped. And the way that we're equipped to do that is by the Word of God. I mean, it's just like when we were sitting in that meeting, I'm, I'm not saying that we were operating in the discernment of spirits, but I'm telling you we had discernment according to the Word of God that what this woman was speaking out, number one, she was out of order, and number two, the things that she was saying was not according to Scripture. So we need, to, we need to have that in our lives. Remember years back we were in a, <laughs> a meeting, you know, <clears throat> and uh, this guy began to prophesy. And he, he began to say, Just as Jonah crossed the Red Sea. And he paused. And he said, I'll just forget the whole thing. Because <laughs> he realized what he said was totally unscriptural. You know, <clears throat> if you have this, it'll keep you from saying a lot of stupid things. You know, and, and so it's, it's important. The gifts of the Spirit are important, but it's important that we're equipped as well to be able to fulfill the purpose and the call of God. What we need to know is that through the name of Jesus, through the power that's been given to us through that name, the authority, we've been equipped. We've been equipped to do what Jesus told us to do. But, you know, we've got to come to the realization, I have the equipment. I have what is needed in my life to be able to do that. And so that means, you know, and I, I don't have a problem with somebody wanting me to come and pray for them. I 
I don't have a problem with that. But what I want you to know is you don't, you don't have to find somebody. You have that authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You know, and so in some circles, those are giftings that are limited to the select few that are anointed to do that. Every one of us is anointed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover if we've been born again. We're anointed to do that. Now, I don't want to make light. There are individuals that have specific anointings and giftings in certain areas. And so <clears throat> I, would, I would never discourage somebody from going to one of those meetings, even though they've had hands laid on them already for healing and they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. But I didn't go get, your, get them to lay hands on you. You know, because there's individuals. Brother Hagin used to talk about how his, he knew when the anointing was to manifest because his hands would, would burn. You know, that few weeks ago we showed the, the video of Brother Hagin, and I don't think he ministered any healing in that video. But a lot of times when you'd be in his, his services, when you were getting to the end, you'd notice and he'd, he'd start going like this. And what was happening was his hands were burning. Because the Holy Spirit told him that when that tangible anointing was on him to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, you know, he, he was anointed to do it as a believer. But this was also a gifting that was in his life that he would, he would feel that burning in his hands. And so, you know, before he was ready to start laying hands on the sick, sometimes it would it'd start burning. And you'd see him rubbing his hands together. And there's others that have, have different anointings as well along those, way, those areas. I remember when we, we first got a hold of TBN and uh, we began to watch Benny Hinn. And um, a lot of people were critical of Benny Hinn. You know, he's a little bit flamboyant and so forth. Why are you laughing? He still is. You know, and... Uh, but people were critical of him. And, you know, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, I take the scripture kind of serious about um, God's prophets and so forth to not be critical of him. So we, Pastor Becky and I, we went to um, Arizona, you know, suffering for Jesus. You know, but we went down, down to Arizona to some meetings that he had down there because I said, you know, I hear all this criticism, criticism, hear people talking about him, and, uh, but I, I, want, I want to see for myself. So we went to these meetings, and let me tell you something. That dude's anointed. Maybe I shouldn't call him a dude. That man is anointed. I mean, I, we, we, saw, we saw miracles. He'd just get up there and start preaching, and he wasn't, he wasn't selling himself. He was just preaching on Jesus, and all of a sudden, you saw people starting to yell. They were popping out of wheelchairs and, and everything else. It was, it was marvelous. And then they had the you know, testimonies like he always does on his show and so forth. And so, uh, you know, in, in some ways, he may not be my cup of tea, but, but, but I'm, I'm not going to criticize him because I saw results in that ministry. You know what? Uh, I think the Holy Ghost cares about results. You know, people that criticize some of these individuals, I've, I've often said, I'll tell you what, the moment that I get as many saved as they've gotten saved, maybe I'm in a position then to begin to be critical of them. But up, up to this point, I, I, don't, I don't have a right. I don't have, shouldn't anyway. Amen. You know, I, I mean, why, why, are we, why are we so critical of one another? You know, I think it's, I think it's politics in the church. It stinks almost as bad as it does in the, well, let me put it this way, it stinks worse. You know, we don't, we don't have to be critical of one. Why are we critical of people? We're critical because we're jealous. Because we think they've got something we don't have. You know, the Bible says, we're to rejoice with those that joy, rejoice, we're to weep with those that weep. What hinders us from rejoicing with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep? We can't rejoice with those that rejoice because they got something and we think we should have gotten it. 
We can't weep with those that weep because we think they're getting what they deserve. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's the truth. And so, you know, we ought to just, can't we just love one another? So anyway, let's move on. The gospel, in the gospel, Jesus never commanded his disciples to pray for the sick, but he did command them to heal the sick. Now, if you're hearing that for the first time, that may make you wonder if I know what I'm talking about. But this is what I want us to understand. You don't, we don't have to pray for something that already belongs to us. You know, if I feel something coming against my body, I, I claim by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. If, if we have a physical need in our life, I don't pray. I, I declare that my needs are met according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Why? Because I've been redeemed from the curse. And so everything that's of the curse, I've been redeemed from. And so what that curse is trying to produce in my life, because I'm redeemed from it, I have the opposite. In other words, the curse is sickness. And so what I have is health. You know, it's interesting. You know, Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses every man that hangs upon the tree. And so that, the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentile and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so <clears throat> we've been redeemed from the curse. And so if you go to Deuteronomy 28, you begin in about the, I think it's about the 15th verse, and you read it to the end, you read what the curse is. And the curse is every disease in Egypt, every sickness in Egypt, and even the diseases that aren't mentioned in Deuteronomy 28 are included in it. And, uh, um, you know, lot, lots of nice things, like somebody else is going to raise your kids and somebody else is going to have your wife and, you know, you know just going to be utter poverty, your crops are going to fail. You know, just, just horrible stuff. That, that's the curse. Then you go back to the first 15, someplace in there, 15, 16 verses. It's talking about the blessing, the blessings of Abraham. So we've not been redeemed from the blessings of Abraham. We've been redeemed from the curse, but we've not been redeemed from the blessing. But, you know, in my study of this, I, I, I wrestled with something because I'm going through those first 14 verses and it really doesn't say anything about health. Talks about, you know, being blessed and prosperous and relationally things are wonderful and so forth, but it really doesn't say much about, about our health. But then I realized something. I, I wrestled with that, but then I realized something because the curse talks all about that. But if you remove the curse of sickness, you have health. You have wholeness. But you know, if you, if you remove the curse off of, your, off of your finances, your needs are met. But see, God doesn't want you to just simply have your needs met. He wants you to be blessed above and beyond what you can ask or think. And so the blessing in all of those areas, once that curse is removed, the blessing goes far above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. And that's what he wants in our lives. And so I just encourage you to, you know, <clears throat> the last 40 verses of Deuteron Deuteronomy 28 gets kind of yucky, but you need to read through it at least one time to realize what what you've been redeemed from, because I read through it and I, I read along, praise the Lord, I'm free from that. Praise the Lord, I'm free from that. Praise the Lord, I'm free from that. Glory to God, that has no place in my life because I'm redeemed from that. You, you can just have a Holy Ghost time reading the curse. 
because you're free from it. But you know the problem is, is oftentimes we don't know what we're free from. When we went to COC, they'd give you, we'd have to, the first night, Christian Outreach School of Ministries, that's where I went to school. They had orientation. And so the first night of orientation, uh, they would inform you of everything that was gonna take place for the next two or three years, however long you stay. And uh, one of the things they said was that, you know, you're, you're going to school here, but really you're, you're going to two schools. You're going to um, the School of Academics, but then you're also going to the School of the Spirit. And the real difficult school here is the School of the Spirit. And you see, <clears throat> one of the guys that was there the year before us was telling me all about this, that the prior year when he went through, they got up in front of him and they said, you know, you're going to go through the School of the Spirit and as you're going through it, it's going to, you're going to be tried in every way that you can be imagined. You're going to be tried above and beyond what you've ever been before. You know, sickness is going to come against you. And he says, well, I guess I'll receive that. And he says, you know, lack is going to come against you. And he says, well, I thought I would receive that. And, you know, mentioned several things. And they did the same thing to us. Except I had gotten at least enough Bible where it didn't sound right. In other words... I discerned, didn't sound right. And so he says, you know, this, this student a year before me said that first year of school was hell because everything that he basically said, I'll receive that, he says, I went through it because I didn't know that I'd been free from it. I want you to know something. You're free from it. You're free from sickness. You're free from disease. You're free from lack. You're free from, from busted relationships. You're free from all those things. And you receive the blessings, which is above and beyond. And so that's what he's made available to each and every one of us. And so listen to these passages. We've we got to finish up here, but <clears throat> listen how... Um, how he spoke to them. In Luke 9, 1, he says, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Well, we know that Jesus is the healer, amen? But he hasn't told us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick. And how do we heal the sick? By using the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. It's not, dear Father, if it be thy will, heal this miserable, pathetic soul. No, it's Father, in the name of Jesus, by the authority in the name of Jesus, I speak to this sickness and disease, and I, I command it to vacate this body in Jesus' name. It has no right here. It has no authority here. This individual is healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for it. Listen to Luke, the 10th chapter, the 9th verse. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick once again. He doesn't say pray for the sick. He says to them, heal the sick. You know, one of the classic stories, you've heard it many, 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 many times, but there's so much truth in it. And it's, it's Peter and John as they're going into the temple and they encounter the, the beggar. And let me just read it to you. It's in Acts, the third chapter, and beginning in, the, in verse 1. And it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple in the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And so, you know, that was, his, that was his life. You know, this isn't the first time that he was there. He's there every day, asking alms, begging for somebody to give him something so that he can live. Who's seen when he saw Peter and John about to go into the, into the temple, asked for alms. And so he was asking them for something for, for physical money. 
And fixing his eyes on him, with John and Peter said, look at us. So they said, they're speaking to him. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. That wasn't healing, he was expecting to get a coin or something from them. Then verse 6, and Peter said, now this is significant, this is where the title of this lesson came from. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Notice again, he's not about to pray for him. He's saying, I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifting him up, and immediately his feet and ankles, bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. And so what I want us to see there is, see, they didn't pray for him. They just simply said, such as I have. But notice, if they didn't realize, if they didn't know that they had that authority, they wouldn't have been able to say that. And so the same thing is true of us. We need to know what belongs to us. In your notes of scripture, Mark 6, 5 and 6. And this is where Jesus is going to his hometown. I think we talked about this last week a little bit. And he, it says that he, he wasn't able to do many mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He was just able to heal a few sick people. And if you look that up in the Greek, once again, what that, what that means is a few minor ailments. And so there were people there with, with greater needs, but he wasn't able to do anything to, about it because of their unbelief. And so there's, a, there's more scriptures there um, basically talking about the same thing, uh, talking about the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and walking in that authority and recognizing that authority. And so just go ahead and read through those and, and um, fill out the questions and study it a little bit and, and hopefully it'll make sense to you. But we've been given authority to heal the sick. Not to pray for the sick, to heal the sick. And I'm not putting down prayer. Prayer is important. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for people. But he says that we're to speak healing over them, command healing over them, use the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And when we do, I believe we'll see results in Jesus' name. Amen? So, Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Father, that it's sealed by your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we choose to walk in obedience and in the fullness of it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Be blessed. Have a great week.